0: Welcome to MomFessions, an honest discussion about the beauty and burden of motherhood.
1: I'm Emily. And I'm Beth. And we hope these next few minutes encourage, inspire, and remind you that we are all in this together. This is Mom MomFessions, a Fort Worth Moms production.
0: Episode 35, The Ins and Outs of Adoption.
1: Okay, Emily, we are going to dive back into the topic of adoption today, and um, I'm excited to get back into this. I think it's something that is so relevant for so many families, and I think there's just a lot more to unpack. Last time you were able to share with us your story of adopting, you've adopted both of your daughters. Mm -hmm. My youngest sister is adopted, so I have a little bit of familiarity with um with it but
0: just from a different vantage point from a different more vantage than a little point. bit she's your sister yeah
1: well she's my sister but it it also like as far as the ins and outs the process of it to me it was like my parents said we were adopting right, and yeah. then they went and got this baby and brought her home like right, that right, was right. it yeah. you know so um especially as a teenager when we when we adopted her it was I was in my own world right you Right, know gotcha So but I know that there's there's just so much to unpack as far as what um what as a mom you need to consider um as you are going through the process of adoption and as you are raising um your children Mm -hmm. because adoption doesn't just end when you bring them home. No, yeah, yeah. It is it there is there is more to unpack. And honestly, there is trauma. There has to be a tragedy mm-hmm. that has mm-hmm. occurred somewhere in the lives of all involved. Right. Um, you know, and so those are things that that people work through over lifetimes. And so um, I just, I'm interested to hear more from your vantage point and, and more encouragement for moms who are in this situation.
0: Sure. Um, you know, there are all types of adoption it's a really large term um you know I our family is a very um traditional um what's the word that I'm looking for like really traditional official type of adoption Mm -hmm. but there are lots of different kinds of families that have a form of adoption whether helping to raise other family members, you know, like there's all kinds of ways that this works out Mm -hmm. in families. But for those families who are thinking about, you know, this more um, like official traditional route of adoption, there are different options in our country. So we participated in domestic infant adoption, and um, that uh, was where we kind of went with a local adoption agency who, you know, counsels um, birth mothers. And then for those birth mothers who choose adoption, you know, they find placements within their adopted parent pools. And there's education and counseling kind of like on all sides. Mm-hmm. Um, you can also do like... Um, infant adoptions or really any age type adoption, you don't have to go through an agency. You really, you know, need a lawyer. And um, there are different circumstances where that can come to be. It could even like be a family member or I have a friend who literally was a friend of a friend of a friend of a situation where there was a birth mother who wanted to choose adoption Um, but didn't have, like, an adoption agency where she lived. It was kind of a rural location, and, you know, through a friend, through a friend, through a friend, they were able to meet up and meet one another and form a relationship, and they just ended up using, you know, family lawyers, and the adoption proceeded that way. Mm -hmm. Um, You can also go through the foster uh, to adopt Um, avenue and that can also be through adoption agencies it can also be through like your state agencies and different things and those are that you know i think some people don't realize that like our adoption agency hope cottage they just associate that with babies but you can also adopt older kids through hope cottage to their foster to adopt programs and um adoption is a quickly changing I don't know what the word to use is like I don't want to say industry it's a quickly it's just like a quickly changing organization right now like um, I felt like for a lot of years it was kind of like stalling and stale and we had a lot of of ground to cover in understanding what a jo- adoption meant and, like you were mentioning, the trauma that surrounds that, the perspective and voice and role of the birth parent and, and all those things. And even in, like, we've been a part of an adoption family for 10 years and, like, the steam and the, and the rate at which things are reorganizing and changing in literally the last three years is like, it's like we went from... The turtle going real slow to like the hair that is galloping. And um, even in the last six months, the pandemic has impacted the adoption world tremendously. And I have seen several different adoption agencies coming out with new types of programs that are that they're just rethinking the way it has been done mm. and starting to do it differently, which I think. Is positive in a lot of ways so I'm really excited to see you know over the next few years how things in the adoption world will evolve Um, Mm -hmm. from honestly less being like an industry a transaction exchange to becoming more of a true social service Mm -hmm. Um, because it really did start out in this country like industry was the correct word, you know, and we are coming out of that slow for a while, but I really see there's some sort of like evolution kind of happening in the conversations and, you know, changes.
1: Yeah. So, so speaking of that, you, um, you used a term earlier when we were talking the adoption triad, Mm -hmm. and that's something that you're passionate about. And so can you define that and then unpack it a little bit for us and why why that's an important concept here
0: sure the adoption triad refers to one the adoptee that's one corner of the old triad the birth families and then the adoptive families and i mean you could say you can narrow it down to like super specifically Oh, the three key players are the kid, the birth mother <laughs> and the adopted mother. Those end up being the three most important people for some reason. But it goes beyond that for sure. Um, like, you know, in our instances, it's like the birth family, because with one of our daughters, we have a um, relationship with extended family members. And for us, it's for the adopted parent side. It, it is also just not, you know, me and my husband. It's also their sibling, and their extended family as well. So the triad is just showing that there will always be and continue to be these three corners connected together. Mm-hmm. Like we, we're always going to be in this triad together. That is something that a concept that is developing more strongly over the over recent years because for a long time it was not a triad it was like a linear line and it was the adoptive parents and the child and the birth family was really cut off and cut out of that but time has taught us a very hard lesson that when it is not the triad um, that that is a very difficult and damaging situation for a child Um, And with the caveat to say that I understand and totally acknowledge that sometimes because of choices that we wouldn't make, that the child doesn't make, that that triad doesn't always (laughs) stay together. You know, I have friends who have um, adopted children from other countries and the birth families are going to most likely forever be unknown, you know, and so even though there's not active participation in that triad, like you still have to acknowledge that that third corner exists and is still going to be a part of your lives forever, even though it may not have as active as a role as some other adoptive families.
1: So what are some ways as an adoptive mom that you can foster that triad, how you can recognize it and even Mm – even celebrate it or allow it to be a part of your child's everyday life?
0: Well, this may be difficult for some people to hear, may be difficult for some people to accept, um, but the most powerful person in the adoption triad is the adoptive parent. And it's difficult to admit that sometimes right like um because if you admit that you are the most powerful person in this adopted triad I mean once the adoption has taken place you also then have to recognize that you have a uh, similar responsibility to the other two people in your little triangle here Um, And we have just been in a culture that has viewed adoption in such a way that the adoptive parent has been given all those privileges and benefits. Being honest about that and then using that leverage and understanding that power as much as I can for right now. I mean, I will think about it differently in 10 years, no doubt, because I'll learn more about it. But it means I have to do my part and I have to do my extra part to listen to the voice of my adoptee, my kiddo, amplify her voice, um, and like support her voice And that I... Also, need to lend the power that I have in this triad to the birth families as well. And, um, you know, listen to their voice and honor their voice and their particip- participation, um, you know, as much as I can. Um, and not just in a very specific way, as in our case, in one instance, being able to build a relationship with the birth family, but also just in general. You know, the the adoptees have not had their like voices kind of heard and accepted about what it means to be an adoptee, what it feels to be adoptee, because sometimes what they have to say is really painful to the adopted parent, right? And we have all but silenced the birth parent usually condemned and judged them but they are still a very valuable part of the triad and to make to make the adoption as positive as it can be because you're right like adoption is full of beauty and it is really full of love big love but it's also really full of ongoing loss to make adoption as beautiful as it can be, we can't try to snuff the sadness and only focus on the parts of it that make us feel warm and fuzzy on the inside. Um, because the, the beauty of adoption really only shines its brightest when we kind of feel the pain of the things we've lost as well. You know, and, but the deepest loss in most cases is the birth parent You know, and, and then the child. This episode is brought to you by Fort Worth Moms, an online parenting resource to encourage and inspire moms in North Texas
1: and all over the world. You talked about continued education as an adoptive parent. What are some things, you know, not everybody is in an agency that maybe provides that, but what are some things that you have found helpful to you? Um, as you're continuing to learn about this triad and how important it is and and what the needs of your child and your birth family might be.
0: Well, just like when you are, you know, waiting for a child or hoping for a child, you know, you just can't sit on your front porch and hope that the stork will drop one off, right? Mm-hmm. You know, anybody that's gone through the adoption process will know that it takes pursuit and effort and diligence and enormous amounts of painful patience. And the same thing is true that just because you are raising an adopted child um, doesn't mean that you know everything that there is to know about adoption, what it means to be an adoptee, and about all birth parents, like on the first day that you have the baby home. Um, just like we learn about motherhood as we go, you're also going to learn about this aspect of being a parent as you go. So I don't ever want to like put pressure on a parent who's thinking about adoption or in the m- middle of waiting for adoption or just has just been placed with the child to suddenly feel like guilty or less than or overwhelmed by all the things they don't know or don't understand. You have to give yourself time to grow in that because I certainly didn't understand all those things the day Anna was placed in my arms. Um, But you have to, I think, have a mentality, I don't know, kind of like an open hand, an open head, like to learning. And you may not have an agency, but there are lots of agencies um, around the country that provide resources for adoptive families and you don't even have to be part of their agency the one that is a big one here that's in fort worth is called gladney they have adoption post-adoption services for families and that you don't have to place through them Um, and there are tons like that there are lots of good um, podcasts and kind of vocal people coming from the adoptee community one i've really latched onto and have loved learning from lately is angela tucker she is a particular interest to me because she is a black woman who is raised by white parents and i have learned a lot from her about the adoptees um perspective and experiences and and her whole mission in life is to amplify adopted adoptees voices and their experiences and and i love it that her experience is one thing and the way she felt was one thing but she has given like opportunity for all kinds of like you know kids and adults to express their experiences and their feelings and things and so that's been super helpful for me But there's also a lot of value in trying to find other moms who are walking the adoption road as well um, that have gone a little before you and who are a little behind you. And, you know, those don't drop—the stork doesn't drop those off either. Like, you have to put some effort into, like, digging this out. You're going to have to chase after it, you know, But yeah, the resources are out there. You just kind of have to go looking.
1: Going back to, and I love what you said, you said your job as a mom for your child is to listen to them, to amplify the voice of the adoptee and then to support them. And so what are some ways that uh, you feel like in the last 10 years you've been able to do that for your daughter's? And you have two different situations, you know, you have one daughter whose birth family is involved and one whose is not. And so how do you go about doing that? Um, And maybe even specifically in a situation where it might not be a healthy thing for the child to, to be involved with their birth family. Because I think that comes up a lot in that you know, maybe one of the members is is unhealthy. And so the mom and dad have decided that they're not going to have that relationship. How do you handle mm-hmm. all of that?
0: Well, I mean, that's really kind of on a case by case basis. Um, you know, I don't want to perpetuate the stereotype that birth parents are unhealthy people, you know, or mm-hmm. that they would be You know, more unreliable or undependable, or, you know, those kinds of things. There are numerous reasons why birth parents find them in the situation that they become birth parents and not parenting the child. Because we're all human, and for sure, there will be instances where. It might not be the best choice for the child to have a cl- intimate relationship with with a birth family member, um, and that's true. I mean, I think we could say that of like any like every family in our country. Agreed. Yeah, we'll have yeah. family members that you don't really want your kids spending time with, or you know, it's just not what you're gonna do. You know, um. So you know, parents have to make those you know, decisions like on a case by case basis. But for me, it's been thinking about how I can create situations where the girls can feel free to talk about it. When they were really younger, I would follow their lead and anytime they asked anything, we would talk about it right then. Like, so whatever they were kind of ready for, I would let them lead, and I would kind of follow that. But around, you know, kindergarten and we go into school, I know that they're going to start encountering questions from other people um, because we look different, right? And so at that point, I start actively creating. I, I start bringing it up and try to do a bit more education, Uh, for them really and just how you handle other people's questions. Like that's how we start. But that always leads into a conversation. I try just to listen to what they say without having an opinion about it, which is hard. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: (laughs) And try to validate and kind of reflect back to them so that they can feel like they've been heard. I see that makes you feel sad or I see that's confusing to you, you know. in in times where I can, it's confusing to me too, you know. I think not trying to have my own, like, agenda to have my needs met in those situations is pretty important. My oldest is nine and my youngest is almost six, and we've already had— more in-depth conversations about it than I would have ever believed for kids that young. Like, it comes way sooner than I thought. And I've already been told, you're not my real mom. You know, we've already, and I I didn't think that was coming quite so soon. Um, But just understanding that it is not actual, it's not personal, right? That, That she didn't even, she doesn't mean that. You know, the way she said it. And I know that. And she knows that. But she had to state in pain that I'm not her birth mom. You know what? That's a fact. Yeah. And that's painful. Right. It's painful because she wants her birth mom. There's a part of her that wants her birth mom to be her real mom. And there is a part of her that wants me just to be your birth mom. Like, wouldn't that just fix it all, you know? So I think trying not to snuff out those hard things, but creating opportunities for them to come out are important. Because sometimes if you don't create the opportunities, the kids don't have the maturity enough or even sometimes the self-awareness enough to get that out. You know, I'm not forcing it out of them, but I create a space for them. If it should come up, we can
1: talk about it. It's funny because I was just talking with our friend Heather Enright, mm-hmm. um, who was on our our show a few time, a few episodes ago, and she said something specifically about not taking it personally when your kids lash out, especially verbally. And she said you need to be a Teflon. Mom, um, <laughs> that nothing sticks to you. Mm-hmm. And so that makes me think of that in those moments of their processing this trauma that they've been through, and you being that Teflon mom of, okay, like, I get that you are coming from a place of deep hurt. Yeah. And that kind of leads into what I wanted to talk about next, because one of the things that I've heard several times from adoptive parents. Is you know there is this this issue with oftentimes there's attachment disorder or the trauma uh, makes it difficult to bond with the child, and um, and that can become very personal. I think as a mother to hear your child say something like that, how do you process that? How do you handle those things um, when they come up? Like how are you able to be Teflon and not a sponge in that situation?
0: Please hear me when I say that I only have a nine-year-old. I've only done this for nine years, right? I haven't even hit those teen years yet. And I am not the end-all-be-all, like, authority on this. In my experience, which my experience is all I got to go off of here, is that in those moments, I feel deep hurt when... She says, but you're not even my real mom. I don't feel deep hurt because I believe her. <laughs> you know, like, and that's no I, I feel really deep hurt because I know that she's hurting and that I hate with everything that I have in me that at eight years old, seven years old, six years old, five years old, she's thinking about this. And that she has this really, this sense of loss and confusion and trying to make sense of it, and it is painful. It makes her feel like something's wrong with her, you know. And that is the thing that's crippling, you know. Like, that is just, like, I I want love to be enough, but... Uh, My love isn't going to be enough to fix all that for her. Yeah.
1: Well, and I think that comes back to what you were saying about allowing the story of the adoptee to come to the surface. And I think we talked about this in our last episode, this idea of the adoptive parent is kind of this great rescuer, you know, whereas that is something that is just not it's Mm-mm. just not the case. Nope. And if we're looking at this as a triad and I love the imagery there, then you get this idea of of community and right. you are all working together
0: and you're always connected to the other you're two. I'm ever connected. I'm never not connected to the other two people in the triad. A triangle is always connected to the other two corners.
1: Yeah. So to leave that out would just be severing yeah. part of your your child's story.
0: Yeah. And and I, this Maybe a bit controversial, and it is kind of a bold statement to make, but I'll go on the record here come what may. But I totally believe that it is your responsibility. It is the right thing to do as an adoptive parent to create space for that and to honor your birth, even the birth parent in the situations like we mentioned that might not be the healthiest. We've got to do better by our adoptive kids than this. And Because I think some moms feel scared of it. Like, they they feel scared that they're going to lose the child, right? Like, they feel like, like there's just going to be something so connected to that other, like, birth mom that you're going to lose. I'm going to lose them mm-hmm. to them. And that's a real fear. Not necessarily, like, losing them in a legal way, but almost like, oh, she's going to love her more, mm-hmm. you know. But it's not true like she is going to love us the same mm-hmm. right and um sometimes that's really hard like for a mom to swallow that i know that my kids they love another mother just as much as they love me their relationship's not going to be the same but they're always going to want both of us the notion of transracial adoption is a bit more in the spotlight These days, I think some of that is happening. Well, one, because racial issues are rightfully so, like front and center. Um, But again, going back to the changes that I have seen and growth I'm seeing in adoption circles, there is kind of like this push that is almost again questioning transracial adoptions and like if it should happen. Um, and let's
1: let's remind our listeners oh, okay. real quick of your family makeup, because if they haven't listened before, Good point. this will give them some helpful context.
0: Yes. So I am a white woman, married to a white man, and we have two black daughters. And transracial, which I'm just using this fancy word. Transracial just means that you have a family makeup of different races. Mm-hmm. I think you, in fact, are also trans. Your family's transracial. Yes, yes. Um, that's just the lingo you use. Transracial does not have to apply to adoption. It mm-hmm. can be all kinds of ways you could be transracial. So, with that said, there has been some like questioning, like if it is a good choice because, um we are kind of a generation out from when a lot of transracial adoptions like were happening. And so we have a bit of like some case study type things to go out of. And now those adoptees are adults and have voices more and are more vocal. And there is, again, rightfully so, a big push in particular for white parents to really think through what it means to become a parent of a child of color. (laughs) That's an interesting time to be a transracial mother Mm -hmm. in all this. And I think that this discussion is really good. Absolutely, you should not go in with blinders on thinking that color isn't going to be an issue or a topic in your home and that you aren't entering into a racial situation because you 100% are in the perspective of my situation of being a white parent like you should start thinking about educating yourself not just about how to do textured hair like these are the least of any worries good news it's just hair but like thinking through what it means to live in our world and not have white skin, you know, like because you are gonna have to raise somebody like that, um, if you're in the like the white, black, transracial situation. Or, you know, white Asian or, you know, white Native American, what, you know, like if it's transracial. But some of the push, you know, kind of is that and and what I kind of balk against is this notion that you have to understand everything about everything and be able to identify all your racial biases and all those things before you could ever, even in one day, ever consider trying to parent a black child. And if that were the case, I would have never been placed with my children because my understanding of the world and what it means to be a black person living in it, my understanding today is like 10,000 years further along than it was the day I took my first adoption education class. So there has to be a little bit of grace there that we are all like in motherhood, we're all learning and growing at at different rates. And Mm -hmm. we're all going to encounter things as a parent that we never could have predicted, right? Like, Mm -hmm. you don't know how to like parent a gifted child, you Mm -hmm. know, like right off the bat. You don't know how to parent a kiddo with ADHD right off the bat. Mm -hmm. Like you don't know. I mean, like even talking about like the silliness of hair, you know, I have a friend, she has stick straight blonde hair, has that had that her whole life. She gave birth to a girl that has red curly hair, Mm -hmm. you know, and like it's not like, oh, you can't, you know, you can't take her home because you don't know all this yet. Yeah. I mean, that's a really like silly, you know, dumbed down version of something serious as in raising a person of color, you know, as as valuable, a valuable member of our community. Mm-hmm. Um so, yeah, it, it is the whole transracial adoption discussion is a really interesting one right now. And one I would encourage you to dive into whether you are an adoptive parent or not, because it has implica- implications for our community as a whole, for our culture and, and what we think about family and people of color.
1: I mean, you're spot on in that our children will experience the world in a way that we may not understand, but especially in a transracial situation. We need to hear the voices of those people who are living and seeing the world differently than we do, you know, because if you can hear their voice, and, and just like you were talking about listening and amplifying and supporting your child as an adoptee, but supporting your child as a black woman growing up in yeah. America.
0: Yeah, I have I have no frame of reference for that. No, right? but and there
1: are women who do. Yeah, so being willing right. to hear mm-hmm. their experience and say, okay, yeah. let me help my daughter, you know, be prepared for this. Yeah. It is it's about listening to each other. Yeah, it's so about listening to
0: each other but also believing each other. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of even what I think about with my girls that like listening to them to what they tell me, like their experience is at school or what they're how they're feeling about, you know, being adopted or questions they have, et cetera. It is me listening to them and believing what they tell me. And then me not trying to like force my experiences on them. Like, well, this would be how I would have handled it as a white girl growing up in Paducah, Kentucky, right? Well, that isn't doesn't apply to you. <laughs> as a black adopted child growing up in Fort Worth, Texas. So, you know, like just realizing that there's space for us to be different and not forcing my own experiences on her. Like, I'm going to believe you. I'm going to try to believe you when you tell me something. Because it's really hard sometimes to believe people when their experiences are different from ours. Yeah. Yeah. We just think that can't be true. We need adoption that still supports the integrity of people, the value of people, but also does the best by the kids. And that is that is the, the discussion that is just like getting, like we're getting to the hard parts of that discussion
1: now in the adoption community. Yeah. But we need to press on in them. Yeah, when for sure. When they're uncomfortable, we need mm-hmm. to keep having them. So, And I'm sure that we will. So I'm glad that we got to sit and kind of talk a little bit more on this, and we'll come back to it at some point. All right. Until next time.
0: As always, visit fwmoms.com to see the notes from this show, including links to products and content mentioned in this episode. And one more time, just in case you missed it, fwmoms.com. What or moms?